But how many, how many enjoyed last week, uh, part one of Man in the Mirror? The oil of expectation. If you aren't here, gotta get my notes right. It's, it's a weird, it's like a thing, gotta be right. If you aren't here, David was anointed just as a child by, by God through the prophet Samuel that he would be next in line to be king when he grew up and nobody thought he was fit. But what God anoints, man can't destroy, man can't touch, change, hurt. And the whole, the whole premise of the, of the sermon was we have an anointing on our life too. We have this oil. Samuel anointed David with oil, the youngest. He was good looking. And God has an oil he's anointed all, an oil he's anointed all of us with as well. But it's our responsibility to release that oil. It's a choice. We have free will. And so according to God has an expectation for your life, the question was, will you release the oil he's put in you and he's called you to do while we walk this earth? And David was willing. David could look in the mirror and see past being a sheep, a sheep boy, a, a shepherd, being past, he looked past just being the water boy for the team. He wasn't, he wasn't like the offensive tackle or the, the wide receiver. He was maybe just the water boy like Adam Sandler if it was a football scenario. That's what David was. They never said he was good enough, but he knew how powerful God's anointing was. So the challenge was, are you willing to rise to the occasion and release the oil God has put in you? So we know David was, and we know we have this oil, but this week we're going to look at a famous story. Still David as a young child, shepherd boy, endured it. It's a famous story. You've all heard it. And I want to get right into the scripture first because it's, it's a longer passage today. And I know you all used to some of those shorter ones. And so I don't want to put you to sleep. So I might, I might have to do some things to keep you awake because we're going to actually read the Bible. Is that all right? If we read the, the Bible. Okay, good. Okay, good. They read the Bible there. Oh, never going back. First Samuel chapter 17. We're looking at 26 through 51. Who knows? What, oh, don't look at the scripture. Who knows what this story is about without seeing it? Anybody? Dan. Anyway. David and Goliath. We heard the, we've heard the story our whole life, right? But there's a real depth to this story that when I was a kid, I didn't think about nothing except slingshot, dead giant, creepy man. That's the story when you're five. We're going to look at verse 26 through 51 in the book of Samuel. It says, then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine? See, they're getting ready to go to battle with the Philistines and there's a leader of the pack, a giant in the land. What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Who's going to get rid of this burden, he says. For who is the uncircumcised Philistine, Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? That's our God, the God of Israel. You know, they didn't mess around with this politically correct stuff. I just want to say, when they wanted to say who God was, they said, that's our God, the God of Israel. That's who God is. And they weren't bashful about it. So it's okay to be loving, but be firm in your faith. If people are scared of you because you believe the word, that's, that's the devil's game. And they, they want you to soften everything so much that you don't tell them nothing. But we want to, we want to give them meat, and it's okay to be, to be strong in your word, but we want to deliver in God's love and grace. And that's the difference. So the, Israels were, the Israelites were firm on that. So it said, who's going to kill him because he's tall and creepy? In verse 27, he says, and the people answered him saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, remember uh, David's older brother, 
His oldest brother, when he spoke to the men in Eliab, anger was aroused against David because David is the one provoking this conversation. (laughs) David, the shepherd boy, the coffee maker, the water boy, is provoking who's going to kill the Philistine. What does he know about battle? Right? He's not qualified for battle. He's not fit to do God's will, except Samuel did anoint him. Remember last week, he did anoint him. And he, the spirit shall be on him all his days forward, the Bible said. So when the spirit is on us all our days forward, we can do pretty big things, fight big battles because the spirit is on us. So it says in 28, now Eliab, his older brother, heard what he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left the few sheep in the wilderness? Who's watching the sheep? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come to see the battle. David wanted to see the battle. Remember, he was a man after God's own heart. Isn't it interesting he wanted to come see the battle, which wouldn't necessarily be something we'd want to see unless he felt a calling. That's what I think. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from, his, then he turned from him, his brother, toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him, as the first ones did. You crazy, David. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Uh-oh. You're in trouble. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant, me, will go fight with this Philistine. Okay, I want to pause right here. He's like a little boy, okay? Have you seen, anybody remember Andre the Giant? He's like, What was he, eight foot, seven foot? He was 10 foot. Can you believe it? So it was like a little 12-year-old shepherd boy fighting Andre the giant, okay? And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. Not only is he a man, but he's been killing people like you since he was your age. He's qualified, you're not. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and I'm sure he was doing this, and when the lion or bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard, and I struck it, and I killed it. Your servant, me, has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. You see, again, he wasn't bashful. He said, this uncircumcised Philistine has defied the living God of Israel. Moreover, David said, the Lord, everybody say the Lord, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Now Saul's, I imagine he's gone. Deer in headlights, who is this boy talking like this to me? The king, who is he to talk to me? And he said, go, and the Lord will be with you. Okay, go. You know, a good leader, not that Saul was the greatest leader, but they recognize when people have a passion, you got to let them walk in their potential. And if you don't, you can hurt everybody, yourself and the person who's passionate. It's leading, not holding. So he said, all right then. Go on with your bad self. So, so Saul clothed David with his armor and put on a bronze helmet on his head. And he clothed him with a coat of mail, which is like 
armor, like you see in a, like a joust, like the armor. And David fastened his sword to his armor, verse 39, and tried to walk, and he had not tested that this stuff's heavy. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. Or what he's really saying is, they weigh more than me. David took them off. He didn't test out the armor that Saul put on him. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, the water brook, and put them in the shepherd's bag. You know, when the water runs over, it smooth things out. These were smooth, nice stones, like the kind my kids would want to collect and take home in their rock collection. So he put them in his pouch. He had a sling in his hand, and he started going towards, guess who? Under the giant. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. So here's the Philistine, here's David, and they're doing this. And the man who bore the shield went before him. You know, the shield guys in front of the, the front line. So the Philistine said, said, excuse me, 42, and when the Philistine looked about and saw David after the man with the shield, he disdained him for he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. He was almost insulted that this is what was getting ready to battle him. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to, come to me with some sticks? What do I look like I want to play fetch with your young self? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods, his pagan gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds, ew, and of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, will you come to me? with the sword, with the spear, and with the javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, in the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. What did he say? Is he talking to me? Is he talking to me? You know how many WWF titles I've won over Israel? He's saying his Lord is tougher than me? What crazy. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you, take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is God, a God, the only God in Israel. Then all the assemblies shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. God doesn't need a spear. He doesn't need a sword. The battle is the Lord's. So it was when the Philistine arose, and he came and drew near to meet David. Then David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. He wasn't even reluctant, Matt. He was sprinting towards the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and he took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank in his forehead, ooh, again. And he fell on his face to the earth. Timber, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. I imagine there was a little tremor when the ground, when he hit the ground because he's so big. I mean, you've seen Andre the Giant. Just imagine the Philistine. I think he was probably taller than the Philistine. They were probably cousins or something. And, he, and when he hit the ground, you know, imagine it. Face to the earth. One shot. Do not miss your chance to blow because opportunity. Oh, snap. That's Eminem. We don't want that. But he got one shot with the slingshot, you know. 
to the forehead, face down, home run, 100% accuracy. Verse 50, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword. How many know the devil, that God will take what the enemy tries to hurt you with and flip it on them? Okay, he took his sword. He said, I don't even need a sword. The Lord is, is fighting my battle. But since, since you got one right here, I'll, I'll, I'll just use yours. Thank you. He stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of his sheath, and killed him. And he did what he said. He cut his head off. Ew, ew, ew. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now it goes on to say, the Israelites shouted for joy. You know, the ones that mocked him just a few minutes earlier. But we left that part out for a minute. The title of today's sermon is Battling Bigger Things. Battling bigger things. How many ever feel like they're, you know, in a battle? Yeah, we're all, we're all battling different size giants. And many times we've asked God to deliver us from the situation or take us to the promised land of our spiritual calling. And when he provides a door, we poke our head through it and see it looks much different than we first imagined on the other side. In fact, we may even interpret God's promise as an attack from the enemy because it looks risky, unsafe, scary. It looks like a battle. Is it God? Is it the enemy? Is it a blessing? Is it a battle? It's much easier to stay safe from experiencing change in our life rather than considering that maybe what we've prayed for has now been presented to us in a test and is conditioning to our spiritual fitness. You know you gotta grow to change. We just talked about it. No test, no growth. No exercise to your spirit. No, no, no growth, no change. Will you remember in your battles who you are fighting and why you may be standing at the front line of your faith? The battle of transition Maybe God's way of revealing the next phase of his favor on your life that could only be apparent after you go through this fight. Your battle may be God's favor revealed on your life. You know, it takes TMI. Okay, I'm just going to share it because that's what I do. I've had this issue here in my, my stomach. And I think it's an ulcer, just so you know. And so I went to Dr. YouTube and and Dr. YouTube said, drink bone broth. So I ran up to the grocery store, and I'm chugging bone broth on the drive home. My kids are like, isn't that soup? No, no, it's yeah, it's bone broth, and it's not good. And instantly, it made a difference. They said 24 hours, it'll be healed. Just keep drinking bone broth. So in case you're wondering, I'm like, making these strange faces? It's because the bone broth is wearing off at certain times. But the battle is not really what's happening here. The battle is the inconvenience it caused that I didn't drink any coffee this morning and, and that's my thing. And when they took away what was convenient, the battle became a challenge. It was fine as long as I could keep doing what I've always done. But when you try to swap coffee for bone broth, you come to church a little groggy. They say it, it has a higher effect, Matt, than coffee, but I'm waiting, to, I'm waiting for that to prove true. 
Anyway, it's great. It's high in collagen. It's great for you. It's good for your skin. It's going to make me look gleaming in just a couple days. Just don't you wait. We're going to be good as new. But it's a little bit of a battle. And your battle, though, on a much deeper spiritual level, may be God trying to reveal his favor he has for you. He has such favor on your life. And we live in a culture where it's easy to be bold, but not brave. There's a difference. Boldness can lead to bravery, and boldness is often before bravery. But often, boldness is where the door closes. You can be bold right here, but not brave right here. You know what I mean? But which one's louder? Which one impacts more people? Which one sings higher to the heavens? And culturally, we see a lot of boldness. But what about bravery? We've got military in here. We know what bravery is. They do. It's all about respect, bravery. And verbal boldness speaks loudly, but active bravery demonstrates what's in your heart. Talk is cheap, as the old phrase goes. Active bravery shows what's in the heart. And David was active and brave and bold. He was both. And there's a fine line between foolishness and bravery. The difference is, did God touch it? Did God touch the situation and say, go and conquer the giant? Because if he didn't, David, use a fool. But if God touched it and the spirit shall be on you all your days forward and God confirmed it, just like when Peter walked on the water, God said, come. And then Peter doubted. God confirmed it. And then Peter doubted what God confirmed. It's safe when God confirms something. It's foolish if God was not in it. And so by the infilling of the spirit, it helps us discern the spirits, whether they are of God or not. The Bible says, try the spirits and know who's calling you. Is this your own calling? Is this God? Is this, is this the enemy? You know, we need that spiritual discernment in our, in our life. And it's so easy to just be bold. And to David's peers, he was bold, but he looked foolish. But to God, he looked called and he looked brave. God knew David in a way that his brothers sure didn't, his older brothers for that matter. I mean, he was the baby. No respect. Understandably so. That's like Chloe trying to let Kaylee make all the decisions in the house with the new yarn and their cross-stitching and their, their crocheting. That doesn't happen. Chloe's the boss with the yarn because Kaylee's only four and she's the baby. She don't know what she's doing. Maybe God has called her to be a great, you know, crocheter. You don't know. God sees us different, just like he saw David different. Are we willing, though, to act on the things that we speak boldly about? And let me tell you, it's not easy. It's not easy. Neither is killing a giant. But if you are willing, God will do the rest. The Lord, it is the Lord's battle, remember. So are you willing to be brave where you are claiming your boldness? There's a difference. Are you satisfied with just speaking and getting the, the quick high of, wow, man, they got it together? The social media thing. You like the tickle to the ear. It's a tickle in the ear, you know? But lack any action, any follow through, any consistency. Do people know you for your consistency? Because success is built upon consistency. Beating giants is being consistent with your faith and not running to whatever is convenient like coffee when there's a hole in your lining. Drink the broth, man. You know, be consistent, and David was, and God calls us to be the same. Be bold, but be brave, and David was willing to be both. He knew the calling, for Samuel had just touched him and 
told him straight clear, God's anointing is on your life. This is the one that spirit of the Lord shall be on you all your days forward. He knew without a doubt. And what's really cool is he already knew. I believe before Samuel ever said anything, that just confirmed to his brothers and everybody else. God knows ahead, and sometimes you feel called too before the rest of the group catches up with you, you know? God sees it in you before they do, and before you do, sometimes you'll see it before the, excuse me, before the group does. Many times, they're, they're like catching up in traffic, so to speak. But your battle today may be God revealing his favor on your life. We've got people being battle-tested right now that aren't in here. They're in some hard battles right now. There's no doubt it's a fight. But God is going to release his favor through those situations by their faithfulness to endure the test. Amen. Do we operate by what others say we should do or by what God calls us to? Do you make decisions by what everybody else tells you to do or by what God calls you to do? How many times did David hear, you can't go fight Goliath? What did David do? He fought Goliath. Saul could see in him what the others couldn't. Saul, maybe, you know, he was a man. He may, maybe had doubt, but he could see that there was something special about David that God put on his life. We have to let God be the one that calls us, not our peers. You want your peers to follow, don't follow them. Let them follow you. Because as long as you're following them, they're never going to follow you. And if you're following God and they're not, and you keep following them, they're never going to follow God because you're leading them astray. You want to lead them into the flock. It had to be scary, though. Not the coffee thing. See how, see how superficial I am? What a superficial pastor. Can you believe that guy? He was talking about slewing giants and his battle with coffee. So weak. Fear is not bad, though, even though it had to be scary going to fight this giant. Fear is how our faith is pruned. I don't know of any good thing that I've ever done personally, hard decisions that turned out to be the best, that there wasn't a level of fear involved in. If there's no fear, there's no consequence. There's no risk. But any big step, there's risk. You can't get around it. It's calculated risk. You weigh your pros and cons. Okay, what's the worst thing that can happen if I try to go fight this Philistine? I could die. He could cut my head off. Okay, I think it's worth it. I think I'm going to go try to hit him with a stone, you know? We've got a pretty good compared to that, I would say. Most of us. But some of us are fighting Goliath right now in so many different ways. And don't be turned off by fear. Know that fearing the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and that fear is a motivator that you need God in the process. The fear is to recognize you can't do it alone and that will make you always remember that the battle is the Lord's, not yours. It's the Lord's. A lot of people will let fear stop them. But God says, I will reveal what I said was true. Don't let fear stop you from walking in the path I've set before you. The will of God on your life definitely can be fearful. But it will cause a willingness to be brave. And it will elevate your faith to a new dimension. So we knew David was bold and brave. He was also rejected, but not defeated. He was rejected, but not defeated. He was rejected by Everyone laughing at him. He was just a shepherd boy. 
He didn't know anything. The battle was an opportunity, though, for him, see, here's the test, to separate from the crowd. He said, God, make me different. Bring me to a higher level in my walk with you, Lord. Give me a chance to show that I'm after your heart. And he says, okay, go fight Goliath. And when you do that and you test what you say with this, with some bravery with this, I'm going to elevate you from the crowd. You may have been rejected by them, but you weren't defeated by Goliath. You see what's happening? You have to face your giant. The giant will chase you until you say, no, giant, I'm not having it no more. You can have your spear, you can have your javelin, you can have your swords, but the Lord is fighting my battle, and that's all I need. That's the only weapon that no weapon shall form against me. It shall not be able to prosper because the Lord has is, is already won this battle. It's his battle, the God of Israel. Jesus, Jehovah, saves his people from their sins. Jesus, Jehovah, saves Yeshua. You may feel rejected by them, but you are not defeated yet. Don't run back to the sheep herd. Don't run away from your giant. Face your giant. Face your giant. It was an opportunity for David, and he knew that. It separated him. It gave him a credibility to be king. It showed them Okay, this anointing thing that Samuel put on David through God, or through Samuel by God, was not just a, a thing. There's something really to this David guy. God's using him. So he started making believers when he slew that giant. And when you fight your battles and people see that you proclaim the name of the Lord and you did as God spoke, they're going to see you overcome your battle and they're going to, whoa, something's different with them. They not only said they serve a God who is almighty and who has their best interests and loves them and is passionate and has, has everything in mind for their life, but they overcame their giant. I want that. That's what your neighbors are going to see when you fight your battles. And it may not be immediate, but don't worry about that. One waters, one plants, God gives the increase. Try to put the armor on. Why are you going to put some armor on if you're going to be fighting with the Lord on your side? Who needs it? See, we try to put the armor on, right? And it's heavy, it doesn't fit. It's because it wasn't meant for you. It wasn't meant for you to wear that armor. You weren't meant to carry the sword. That was Saul's armor. What little boy is going to wear what was designed for Saul? God designed you to overcome your battle through him. He's your weapon. Remember in 45, he said, you come to me with a sword, with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, to the God of the armies of Israel whom you defied. You dissed my God, is what he said, and I don't like it. If God made you bigger and stronger than the giant, why would you need him? Why would you need faith? You can't, you can't have, you don't need to worry about faith if you're already strong enough to take care of it. It's because you were outnumbered. You were smaller. David knew he needed more than himself that he needed to be faithful and have God on the side. That's why he knew he was outnumbered. Israel was always outnumbered. But your battle today may be God's favor being released on your life that you've so desperately prayed for. So embrace it, challenge it, Fight it with the Lord on your side. God says, I came to show my strength with this pebble. I don't need a sword. 
I called you to use this pebble, this rock, and looks are deceiving. Just because you look green to them doesn't mean God won't use you in the trenches. They don't know what, what I have for you. They don't know the plan. They're going to laugh at you. But I, I say what goes. And they're going to join you when you knock down that giant. You can't lead others if you don't show them the promise God has put in you. If you're not willing to seek the promise, no one will ever see what God has put in you, which is how God touches them. It goes all the way back to the same one seed principle. The seed that goes in us is to come out of us and bear life somewhere else and cultivate into many seeds. Those rejectors, let me tell you, they will become believers when they see that giant's face hit the ground. They will become believers, the ones right now who are telling you, you have no chance. You have no chance in Lake St. Louis. You have no chance in Hades, the place below the earth. But when you knock that giant down with the weapon God equipped you with, they're going to be saying, hey, can I get some of that? Can I join your team? Can I be with you? I want some of that. I want, to, I want to be with you and I want to help you fight your battle next time because there's something to this battle thing. I want to be battle tested. God will equip you to defeat foes greater than the world can understand. And what's so cool about this passage and this story is that how at the end he defeated them with not his own sword that, that Saul thought he was meant to carry, that David was meant to carry. He defeated Goliath with Goliath's sword. God provides an opportunity to act on the calling he's placed you in. And you chose a sword, but God already chose what was best for you and it was maybe the enemy's ways. You flip the script on him, you know. The smallest stone can defeat the biggest giant and then he's going to finish the battle with an unplanned sword attack from the enemy's ways. God will use the enemy's plan to defeat the enemy because the devil is a liar and the devil is a fool. If we go back to verse 51, you can just think of Philistine as the devil right now. He's your giant. It says, therefore David ran up to the devil and he took his sword and he drew it out and he cut off his own head with it because the devil is a liar and the devil is a fool. So when he comes at you with a sword, he don't know God's going to step down and say, thank you. The Philistine fell and he stood above him and defeated the giant. He defeated him. This is how I fight my battles. You guys heard that? This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight. Thank you, Goliath. You may look like a big old giant, but I'm gonna cut your head off. You may think I'm only good with sheep, but I'm gonna put that rock in your head. It's not gonna be pretty, don't tell mom. This is how I fight my battles because I love my mom, but God called me to do what I do. And I'm David and I got the anointing on my life. And I'm going to do what I want to do, regardless of what my parents think, regardless of what my brothers think, regardless of what the people think. I don't care what they think because God put an anointing on my life and I'm going to slew the giant. And then all shall rejoice for the Lord of God of Israel has been glorified. Your battle today Maybe God's 
favor being released on your life right before you. Embrace the battle, Debbie. Embrace it. He will take what the enemy wanted to destroy you with and flip the script. You weren't meant to carry that sword because you're not strong enough. You could never carry the armor by yourself. That's why God gave you a slingshot and a stone. He equipped you with what you're able to bear and he covers the difference. If you try to cover what God is trying to do for you, you fail. It's recognizing God is filling the difference. I'm only gonna carry the sling and God's gonna be my accuracy. Just because your peers perceive you aren't battle tested, battle ready, God says, I equip who I call. So if I call you, I will equip you. God was the one fighting all along, David. It wasn't you. And David says, I know, because I know my calling and I know my God is the Lord of hosts and he will prevail. I will never leave you, he says. Be brave according to my calling and I will squash the giant once and for all. If y'all could stand with me as we close week two, man in the mirror. Those who hated on you. Now support you. Because you're victorious. It's, it's easy to be victorious when you have favor and those who hated on you will want to join the party when you're victorious. Go home and read verse 52 and you'll see what his brothers did after the giant fell. Let's bring that down a minute, Kelly. Kelly, let's bring it down. We're going to pray here in a second, but some of you have been fighting giants. Let's just, let's just kill it. Let's just kill the track. Trying to try new things here at Wancy Church. Sometimes they don't work out so good. Some of you have been fighting battles that you feel like you can't win. You feel like God has left you. You feel like you try to tune in with God and more junk flows your way, right? Don't run. There's always fear. Any successful thing that God does in your life, there's gonna be a, a, a little bit of fear involved because it's, it's faithful, it's unknown. And it's good to have a little bit of that angst because you don't totally know. That's why you gotta trust on Jesus in the process to provide your armor, to provide your sling, to provide your rock because this armor is heavy and I want to encourage you this morning that your giant is about to fall if you're willing to step out on the front line in the name of Jesus Christ and sling your stone okay don't be defeated like the brothers they weren't even willing to face the giant so the giant never left them because they would never face the giant you have to face the giant to defeat the giant and if you do it in the name of the Lord Jesus he will fall to his face once and for all so God we come to you right now if we could all bow our heads
Lord, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor to remember everything you have said to us, to remember the promise of your good word, that you, you are the Lord God of Israel, manifest through the womb of Mary, God, come to redeem man and give him new life, Jesus. And we recognize who you are by your name. We follow you by who you are because of your name. It represents who we serve, and we serve the God of Israel, Jehovah saves, Jesus Christ, the only name given among men and we will not let any manly giant try to intimidate us when we have the spirit of the Lord on our side and your anointing in this battle so take us through it God let us know you're there God let us knock down the giant once and for all and let the people around us shout victory with us as we go about our day and if the house of God can say in Jesus name amen